It is a Neil Young Day sponsorship, and Steve Guzzi has been your host all morning, and I'm Karen Wright in for Al Bat, because Al Bat's going to join us, and of course we wouldn't want to not let Al Bat talk on a day like today, because Al's already always got something to say, and he just returned from Alaska. Good morning, Mr. Al Bat. Good morning. I'm all excited because my Fitbit has just awarded me a badge. So, you know, it, <laughs> what does that it doesn't mean? get any better. <laughs> I, you know, this one was for climbing 75 floors, which I've done, I don't know how many, I've done that a lot, but all of a sudden it gave me a, a, a Ferris wheel badge. <laughs> and I got a badge for walking the distance of Italy and all these different uh, countries. So You are a winner. But, uh, I, I am. Boy, I never ever dreamed I'd have a Ferris wheel badge, but I just want to thank Fitbit and all the, what are, what, I wonder what they are, Fitbitians, Fitbitters, <laughs> the folks that work for Fitbit, but I am addicted to uh, my Fitbit, I have to be honest, and I spend a lot of time, I just got back last night from Alaska, so I had no problem putting on uh, enough steps up there. This morning it was 42 degrees in Juneau oh. and one uh, one degree here in my yard. So, and you thought that's wrong, well, right? I mean, that's can't be right because yeah. that's way far no- north. And look at where we are, south. It is. They think of International Falls as a, the deep south. So it, uh, it, you know, November isn't a favorite color of many folks. We get an average of 39% of possible sunshine in November. It's our cloudiest month. December is the second cloudiest month. Uh, So it's... It gives us 42% sunshine, so 39% sunshine in November, 42% in December. But just think all the money that saves us on sunscreen. <laughs> we we really save a lot of money this time of year. Uh, you know, Emily Dickinson called November the Norway of the year. So, man, that's probably a probably a good title. I I ran home. I ran out early this morning, and boy, I filled all the feeders and apologized to all the birds. There's a little chipmunk running around. I said, "Dude, I'm sorry. I wasn't here for you." <laughs> so I got a lot of them filled. I'll go out later, and I marveled at the beauty of a crow in the yard because there is no bad-looking bird. And another beauty, a rock pigeon descended upon the driveway, and the pigeon is one of the few birds, including other dove species, flamingos, and the male emperor penguin, that are capable of producing milk-like substance to feed their young. Both the female and the male pigeons produce a nutrient-rich substance in their crop to feed their young, their squabs, and it's called crop milk. And the Migratory Bird Treaty Act was signed in the U.S. and Canada way back in 1918. And that was signed for the purpose of ending the commercial trade in feathers. And it provides that it's unlawful to pursue, hunt, take, capture, kill, possess, sell, purchase, barter, import, export, or transport any migratory bird or any part, nest, or egg or any such bird unless authorized under a permit issued by the Secretary of the Interior. But what if you uh, find one on the ground? Can you keep those or or not? You're not supposed to. Oh, seriously? No. Oh. 
There are some regulatory exceptions. And again, take, they said take. Uh, take is defined in the regulations, again, as pursue, hunt, shoot, wound, kill, trap, capture, or collect, or attempt to pursue, hunt, shoot, wound, kill, trap, capture, or collect. So don't even think about it, because that's wrong. I didn't hear uh, the word find. <laughs> Yeah. Well, not all North American bird species are protected under this act. So birds considered non-native species, such as rock pigeons, European starlings, house sparrows, and mute swans aren't protected, although some local laws might afford protection to the swans. Many game birds are subject to limited protection, can be hunted in season. So that's why uh, sometimes you'll see feathers from game birds. But, yeah, we're not supposed to have a nest, a feather, uh, a bill, a hook, a claw, anything like that. So, as I said, I just got back from Alaska, and if I am what I eat, I ate some happy food for breakfast. I flew in on a small airplane that was older than its pilot. He looked 12. (laughs) It used to be I didn't want to get on a plane where the pilot was... uh, you know, younger than I was, and now it's more difficult to do that. <laughs> Haynes, I went to Haynes. I was in Sitka. Then I went to Haynes and then Juneau. Uh, Haynes can be difficult getting in and out uh, during difficult weather thanks to budget cuts that have gutted the ferry system in southeast Alaska. And I think it adds to its charm because the best stories come from difficulties. It's hard to get out of Juneau, and that's where I need to go to go to Haines. And I flew in a uh, folks that are into planes. It was a Cessna caravan, and I'm a tall guy, and I always end up in the rear seat, way in the back. Mm. And I don't have to crawl, but I have to bend in half to walk <laughs> back there because the short people sit up front. I don't know what (laughs) law that is, uh, other than my wife. She um, comes back with me. But thanks to my involvement with the American Bald Eagle Foundation, I visit Haynes each year, and I look, I smile, and then I'm ready to repeat. I get up too early every morning and lug stuff around, and it helped that I'd been eating delicious pickled garlic, (laughs) homemade cherry pie, baked French toast, and a bisque made from shrimp, crab, halibut, and salmon caught and made by friends. And my job there was to empty friends' refrigerators. And I I was there on Wednesday, and the weather report had said that it wouldn't snow before Saturdays. As I'd expect in Minnesota, it snowed on Wednesday. But I was good Minnesotan, so I was dressed like an onion in layers. According to USA.com, Haynes gets 98 inches of snow and 49 inches of rain annually. It rarely, very, very rarely gets below zero and rarely above 75 degrees. Its average temperature is 41. It has 173 growing days for gardeners. Hmm. I watched a brown bear catch a fish with the greatest of ease. Then then it climbed out of the water, shook like a big dog shedding water, and ate fish while hidden in the grass. And the bear hid because it didn't have enough food to share with everyone. A brown bear biologist for the Alaska Department of Fish and Game told me that Thanksgiving 
was the median date for the start of hibernation for brown bears in Haines. So they're out running around till Thanksgiving, some later than that. Some, of course, go to bed earlier, but that's the median date. A bear's eyesight is comparable to ours, but their sense of smell is remarkable. And I asked uh, the biologist, I said, brown bear or grizzly? And he said, all grizzlies are brown bears, but not all brown bears are grizzlies. Hmm. The correct scientific name for a grizzly is brown bear, but only coastal bears in Alaska and Canada are generally referred to as such, while inland and Arctic bears and those found in the lower 48 are called grizzly bears. Uh, Coastal bears have access to salmon, and they can consume 90 pounds of food each day in anticipation of hibernation. A bear might eat parts from more than 100 different salmon and salmon carcasses in one day. So a lot of the coastal bears get bigger because, boy, they're just eating well. Bears reach heights of 6 to 7 feet when standing on their hind legs. The largest, though, of the brown bears... The Kodiak bears found only in Kodiak Islands along the southeastern coast of Alaska, and they can stand over 10 feet tall. And how do you find a bear in Alaska? Man, it's real easy to find a bear. You just look for a group of tourists with cameras and cell phones <laughs> all pointing the same direction. You pull over and you say, what do you have? And there'll be one of two answers. It'll be bear or moose. That'll be the two answers. So either one is worth stopping. Uh, The bear biologist told us all, because that's their job, to tell us what to do when we encounter a brown bear. And the number one thing they always say, don't run. Mm -hmm. Speak in soft, monotone voice. Don't yell at it. Just talk to it. Say, hey, bear, how's it going? And then wave your arms to let the animal know you're human. And if the animal makes contact, then you curl into a ball or on your side or or lie flat on your stomach and hope for an understanding bear. Uh, That biologist showed a video of a bald eagle feeding at 1.15 in the morning. Uh, I didn't think eagles worked a late shift, but this one had. The bear I watched waddled away to sleep off the salmon, so I looked for another, and I heard, there's one flying, said a photographer from Dubai with heaps of enthusiasm and I looked up excitingly but it was no flying bear it was an eagle but that was still pretty cool Uh, people wave cheerfully in Haines whether they're walking or driving they wave and that sounds like a little thing but it's really welcoming and comforting Friends have witnessed two thunderstorms in 18 years living in Haines. Uh, They grab a beverage and sit on the deck and watch the storms with amazement because it's so rare. Folks come to Haines in an attempt to wear out cameras. And I talked to a man from uh, Colorado. He had a Ph.D. He studied planets. So he just he came there with a, a new camera, and he showed me photos of bald eagles he'd taken his first morning along the Chilkat River where the bald eagles gather. His photos were extraordinary. And he was so happy with the beauty of Haynes, he told me that if his camera broke right that moment and he was unable to take another photo, he'd be okay with it. Uh, Haynes is one of those places where... Uh, 
where we come to our senses. Uh, people desert normal lives and familiar surroundings with the same joy as we open Christmas gifts. The clock in uh, my vehicle said 217. That meant it was 1136. Uh, I'd been fixing to correct that. But time slows when I'm in Haines, and that's a wonderful thing. Yet at the end of my stay, it had passed much too quickly. But I've learned I should never go anywhere in Haines without the company of a camera because it is a picture postcard place. Uh, John of New Alm said, if I made a calendar or tote, I think John's hinting for a job, Karen, making <laughs> some so. totes for, the, for KMSU. He said it would be circus fleas, bumblebees by palm trees watching the Bee Gees drinking martinis. <laughs> and he, so I thought that was pretty good. And he said, here's a little poem he wrote, a chickadee on a branch in a tree, a robin running across the street, not using wings but its feet, leaves dancing in a circle on the ground to mute Music with no sound, invisible wind, its partner, write what you see, see what you get, might be a poem you won't regret. So that's pretty cool, John. I like John. that. That's really great. Yeah. Uh, Doug Keezer, this is a little ways away, but it just uh, a cool sighting, I think, because I like Carolina Wrens. He saw two Carolina Wrens at the Riverview Cemetery, and that's the uh, north side of Wabasha, Minnesota. And they stay together. The pairs uh, remain together over winter, typically on territory. And these were singing, uh, so they're at least pretending they're on territory. Uh, Bob Jansen uh, saw a Lincoln Sparrow in Faribault County, I believe by Keister, or if not in Keister. So it's a bird that just probably should be out of here by now. I'm watching a chipmunk in my yard, uh, still, still shopping for groceries, trying to get enough provisions to make it through the winter, because he said, man, this could be a really long winter, because I'm running through all the snow in my bare feet or my chipmunk feet, and so it's one of those things where he's just trying to get as much food as he can, because they get up every so often during the winter, go into the kitchen and make themselves something to eat, and then go back and have a nap. Are these snows any earlier than normal? It seems to me like I always feel like we always get more snow after Thanksgiving, but maybe I'm just imagining because we've had weird winters in the past few years. Oh. So, Or is this earlier than normal? It always seems early to me because yeah. I don't want snow till like, Christmas. You know, that just mm-hmm. seems like the decent thing to do. Maybe even right after Christmas. I'm not all that excited about the, the importance of white Christmas because I know Santa's going to make it no matter what, you know. And I like not having the snow because it makes it just easy for friends and family to get around and visit everybody. And then it can snow after that. I, you know, every time I think about bad weather, I go back to that um, that Halloween yeah. storm of 1991 that just pretty much shut down the entire state. We got ice pretty much here, but the city's got some ridiculous amount of snow. So I, uh, and I, I repeat this a lot, I know, but folks, when they ask what's an average winter like in Minnesota, I say, boy, there isn't one. Uh, we're riding with a taxi driver, and uh, he says, where are you folks from? And we said, Minnesota. And he, oh, he got that kind of pain look on his face. And he said, man, I don't think I could live in Minnesota, he said. So it's uh, it's just, uh, I love it here, so what do I know? 
Oh, I watched a swarm of gulls uh, feeding on the water in a harbor in Sitka, Alaska. It was Crescent Harbor. And a bald eagle flew in and expertly snatched a fish right out of the water. Right in the midst of that flock of gulls, he came in and grabbed, just grabbed this fish. And it must have been one that a young gull had its eye on because it chased the eagle until our national bird had cleared the water. <laughs> and the eagle, not being catch and release, kept the fish. And I'm thinking that gull was probably smart enough to know that if that eagle had not had that fish in his talons, he would have more than likely not been chasing it because that might have resulted in bad things. I have seen bald eagles hit a gull. Oh, uh, and the feathers just fly. It's like a gull has exploded, this profusion of feathers everywhere. Uh, bald eagles will put up with a lot before they do that. Folks that like hawks and raptors, uh, we have raptors are so cool, and we have a number of different kinds of raptors. We just think of uh, bald eagles, but hawks and kites and osprey and owls, falcons, all those things are raptors. And they spend a lot of time uh, chilling, and they just... They don't do anything. Maybe they're deep in thought, but they eat something, and they're full, and then they just go perch. Or if they're not full, they might be perched looking to hunt. So they spend a lot of time just um, perching there. So they're not probably real excited about going down and doing damage to this gull because there's a good chance they're not going to eat it anyway. Especially in Alaska, they have all that salmon. Why would you eat a gull? But I watched one where the gulls just kept hectoring this eagle till they drove him off the fish. He went up in a tree and preened for a little while, and then he flew down and uh, hit one of the gulls, uh, killed it pretty much instantly, and then flew back up in the tree and finished preening. But do, he just do the like eagles eat gulls? To... Do they eat them at all or not? Uh, here they sure would. Oh, they would. Uh, yeah, because when our lakes freeze over, oh, sure. boy, they're looking for anything to eat. But those up there, they had all that fish. Yeah. There's endless fish for them. There's no way they're going to eat the gull. The eagle was just, he'd had enough. They were bothering him, and he just said, okay, this is what I could do. I want this to serve as a warning to the rest of you. Don't bug me anymore. <laughs> I'm just uh, I'm fed up with you all. And uh, I think they probably left him alone for a while, said that. That's the eagle there that maybe we should not bug him whatsoever. He's right at the end of his of his uh, thread there as far as being disturbed. But again, uh, raptors, eagles are certainly one, owls, hawks, falcons, osprey, and kites. We have six kinds of raptors, although a great number of raptor centers, or a lot of raptor centers anyway, will also uh, treat uh, vultures for some reason. So uh, vultures kind of fit in with them, I guess. And uh, I just, uh, I, I can't say enough nice things. Uh, visiting Alaska is like visiting Minnesota. It's it's something you, you'll never forget. Uh, a lot of folks I know are probably listening said, man, I was just, you know, I was going to go to Minnesota for school. I was just going up there to visit relatives. And the next thing I know, I'm here for 30 years. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful place to be. I was at a banquet in Sitka, and we were sitting around a table, and, and uh, 
somebody eating hors d'oeuvres. And a guy, I was talking to a guy, he's a scientist, he presented a, a thing on, uh, oh, about whales and all this, and it was really interesting. I thanked him, and his wife said, so you're from Minnesota? And I said, why, yes, I am. And she said, I... I I'll bet you've never heard of these two little towns. but And I said, oh, yeah, what are they? And she said, Madawan and New Richland. <laughs> uh, my, wa- my wife lived in Madawan and New Richland, and we both went to school in New Richland. So we said yes, and we're talking there, and we knew her family and the Pierces and the Deneens, and we just had a great talk about And I tell everybody it's really a small world unless you have to paint it. Right. But we run into Minnesotans. They are everywhere in Alaska. Just every, um, I talked to a guy from Blue Earth. They, they're all over up there. Uh, sandstone. Are they living there, or are they just visiting like you were? No, they're all living there. Well, they are. Uh, okay. Minnesotans, yeah, we do well there because, uh, <laughs> you know, we're used to the cold. And I think our lure is mountains. Uh-huh. Man, you know, we just, we love mountains. I got up every morning and looked out the window and just looked at these mountains and said, wow. And there's a golden moment. I took a bunch of photos of it, a golden moment in the morning when the sun hits those mountains just right, and they turn from a snow-capped mountain to this beautiful gold color, and then you can see the reflection in the water. So you have double mountains of this beautiful gold color, but it's usually just for a a certain time of day when the sun is at a certain angle, so it was quite fleeting. But oh man, it just—I uh, tell everybody, and a thousand people take credit for this wonderful line that we all probably maybe we've got hanging on the wall. But it's—it's it's not the number of breaths that we're given that really matters. It's what takes our breath away. And uh, boy, it's so true. I, I realize that so much. And then when I got home. That was the other one. Uh, boy, that took my breath away. Just being home again is uh, we love. We all know one of the best things about uh, traveling is coming home, and you get uh, that excitement about going, and then you have this wonderful time uh, where you are, and then it, it's just great to be home. We we are so lucky. We just live in one of the best places on earth. So I uh, I appreciate coming home and listening to KMSU and Neil Young, who I like very much. So. <laughs> I don't know that I could listen to too much Neil Young. Al, are there much, uh, in terms, you're back home now, are you seeing many birds migrating still, or are they getting toward the end because it's getting so cold, or what's our status with that? Yeah, I'm not seeing much for migration. I had a tufted titmouse here, which is a rare bird for here. Uh, but I don't see him today, and I worried about him the whole time I was gone. I put oh. out more bird seed than you could imagine in the hopes that he'd be okay and yet I was kind of hoping that maybe he'd get out of here because uh, I wouldn't be able to fill all the feeders so I don't see him today Uh, other than that you know I'm seeing the normal things chickadees blue jays goldfinches juncos the the one migration we get in our yard which will seem odd to anybody uh, we get house sparrows we don't have them all summer they're off I don't know where they are 
over some neighbor, I suppose, with grain. Then when the weather turns bad, all of a sudden we get these house sparrows moving in. Uh, starlings, I haven't seen any of those today, but that's another one that will come into the yard here when the weather gets bad. So we get those little mini, like, neighborhood migrations mm-hmm. where they can be over at the Knudsen's, and then they'll say, we should go over <laughs> the bat. We have cardinals here, which just... Uh, continues to make my day. I'm looking at a cardinal and a nuthatch and a chickadee all in one window here. So they, it's wonderful. Um, I always think I, I wish I could tell birds how much they brighten my day just by looking out the window and seeing those and saying, man, life is good. So it's, it, oh, somebody, I call, a listener said, uh, Al, you were looking at the eagles. When do they actually get their white heads? Uh, you know, it varies a little bit. It'll vary, uh, oh, according to genetics, I would think the most part. I don't know if nutrition plays a lot in that, but probably a little bit. Young birds attain adult plumage in approximately five years. So that could be four and a half years. That could be five and a half. There is one at the American Bald Eagle Foundation that is a uh, an adult, still has a little brown kind of, shot on the head there so and i'm guessing that'll never go away so there are some uh, uh, abnormalities uh, in every in every creature i guess so that happens once in a while there the american bald eagle foundation if you ever get to a haynes alaska uh, cruise ship stop there and things uh, please go there i've been on the board there for a long long time and i had to miss part of one meeting and they reelected me now so i'm back <laughs> on i'm still on there that's that's you know, what happens. You're gone. They'll they'll uh, oh let's nominate Albat. Is he here? No. He'll 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 do it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I couldn't get there because of the weather and everything. So I was late getting there. So I was reelected, and and I'm proud to serve on it. But we have an oh bald eagles, of course. We have a screech owl. We have red-tailed hawks. We have a northern hawk owl, which is just wonderful. We have a crow that will fly. If you hold up a dollar bill, that crow will fly down, grab the dollar bill, and then fly up and put it in donations box, <laughs> which is really cool. So, it's, so there's a lot of wonderful, wonderful birds there, and they do tours, and you can walk along and learn a, a lot about all those. We also have a Eurasian eagle owl named Hans, which is very, very uh, just a, he's what a beautiful bird he is, and one of the most photographed things around Haines, and also a, a cross a hybrid, a lanner saker falcon. Which is uh, oh, kind of remind folks of peregrine falcons, I think, of that size and kind of that look. So, so I hope everybody today uh, will get out and enjoy the beautiful weather and come to the cafe where the food chain is missing a few links. The special is always the Heimlich maneuver, and gravy is considered a beverage. And now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders, where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any. Uh, southeast of Alaska is known as the Panhandle. It's a long, narrow strip of coastline and then a thousand islands. And most communities have no roads connecting them, so residents depend heavily on ferries. The Alaska Marine Highway System connects 35 communities, and the routes stretch for 3,500 miles from Bellingham, Washington, to Dutch Harbor, Alaska, in the Aleutian Island chain. Uh, 
It includes the Inside Passage, which is a spectacular cruise ship destination featuring mountains, glaciers, and fjords. The ferry is a lifeline for the smallest communities. It brings things, carries people to hospitals and clinics, and sports teams to games. Alaska has a budget deficit due to declining oil production, and as a result, ferries have been removed from operation, uh, ports cut, and staff reduced. Angoon, Tenakee, Pelican, and Gustavus aren't receiving any ferry service at the present. That would be like us saying we're closing your highway out here. You can't go anywhere. You can't go to town, to the store. Pelican, population under 100, has been getting one ferry a month year-round. Now they're getting none for the near future. Haynes and Skagway receive service once per week and Huna twice per week. Many residents of these communities travel to Juneau to shop at Costco and Fred Meyer. A visitor stopped at the visitor center in Haines, which seemed appropriate, a visitor at a visitor center. <laughs> he was driving to Anchorage, and he wanted a map. He was given a free map and departed. He returned not much later and asked if he could get a map with all the roads on it. (laughs) Well, they were all on there. Alaska doesn't have that many roads. One of my favorite places on Earth is Chilkoot Lake in Haines, Alaska. I see bears, eagles, ravens, magpies, stellar jays, and dippers there. The park road to the lake is laden with potholes, not small potholes. I walked around one. It wasn't the biggest pothole there. I found that one too daunting. I walked around a medium-sized pothole four times, and I'd made a mile. Remember, folks, Heartland is well worth driving past. Thanks for listening to me. Thank you, Karen, as always, for uh, your wonderful company. And, hey, thanks for uh, for playing Neil Young. It's a great day. Hey, Al, thank you. We'll be back again with you next week. Until then, uh, get some rest, and, and happy bird watching. Yay, thanks. Bye. All right, bye-bye. Our great friend Al Bat, I'm Karen Wright, sitting in for Steve Guzzi, who has a day sponsor today. It's a Neil Young day today, so we'll be hearing some more of that, and Steve will be back in just a moment.